All right. Thank you, Gary, for that instrumental. The Lord is wonderful. Amen. Yeah, he is beautiful. Amen. Yeah. We need to carry that with us throughout the week, not just say it on Sunday. We need to say it on Sundays. We need to say that when we gather together, but we also need to carry that, that concept and idea and belief that he is so wonderful throughout the week so that when things come against us, we can say, God, you are wonderful. Lord Jesus, you are wonderful, and I know that you're going to take care of this. Amen. If you have your Bible, let's turn to Galatians chapter 5. When you get there, find verse 16. If you don't have a Bible with you by chance, just open up one of the blue pew Bibles. You can use one of those, find in the New Testament. It's right before Ephesians, so that should help a little bit anyway, I hope. So, Galatians chapter 5. I'm wanting to talk about the, the Christian life. I think we need to explore this idea more. We've been talking a lot about the Christian life throughout the month of February, but I really think we need to talk about this life led by the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Galatians 5 verse 16 Paul's writing this letter. It's a very deep letter. If you read the whole letter, you'll see he really gets into some really depth of teaching here. And he says in verse 16, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. Does your Bible have Spirit with a capital S? Amen. Amen. That denotes a being. That's talking about someone, not something. Okay, let's go on. They are in conflict with each other, the spirit and the, the sinful nature, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no, no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Father, this morning we come before you humbly, Lord, and we want to live up to this. We want to have the Holy Spirit leading us and directing us, not just on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights or or in a few minutes in the morning, but all day long, every day of our life. Father, we desperately need the Holy Spirit's influence and leading. I believe, Father, today that we need the leading of the Holy Spirit more than any other time in my lifetime. Your church needs your Spirit to come alive, to, to come alive and bring us alive with Him, that we might walk through this world, this dark world, this sinful world, Lord, as your people, and come out clean, because of the blood of Christ, because he is our Savior and Lord, because he does wash us clean, because there is victory in him and in your spirit. So help us there, Lord. Father, today I just want to commend myself to you for these next few minutes to really just let myself be your servant in a very special way this morning, to let you speak through me uh, from your word, through your spirit, in this message time. Father, I believe these people need to hear from you, not from me. So please use me for that, for your glory, for their good, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. There is a great deal of confusion today about the Christian life. What is the Christian life? How encompassing is the Christian life? Uh, is it just part of what I am, or is it all that I am? 
there's a great deal of, of confusion about it. Many people expect today or have been led to expect a spectacular experience in the Christian life. This, this mountaintop experience. We're supposed to live on the mountaintop all the time. They expect God to come down like a pillar of fire or hold back the troubled waters like God did in Exodus. But more often than not, I don't know about you, but I know this about me, more often than not, what we experience from God is His quiet voice speaking to us, trying to get our attention. I believe that more than anything else. I want that quiet voice to speak to me. I don't know about you, but I want that God's quiet voice to come speaking to me so I can hear Him. One of the things I ask God in prayer is to open my ears so I can hear Him speaking to my life. You see, people have these, these expectations of the spectacular because they've been led for that. Just look at movies. People go to movies. Why? Because they want to see a spectacular a scene, some great car track crash or some sort of plane uh, crash or whatever it is, a great battle. They want these spectacular experiences. That can be disappointing in a Christian life. If you don't have this spectacular experience, well, golly, maybe you're not close to God. That simply is not true, friends. That's not true. There's a lot of talk today about the need for revival and awakening in America today. Friends, I totally agree with that. Our country, our culture, our world, by the way, not just America, but our world needs an awakening, it needs a revival. But are we willing to let God work on us every day in small ways, changing us more and more over time? Are we letting Him to do that? Are we willing to do the hard work first? I think that's a big question. Jesus was born into an ordinary family. Just read the the Gospels. Read Matthew and Luke, and you'll see he was born into an ordinary family. His family, they were working class people like many of us. Joseph was a carpenter. Mary was a a stay-at-home mother. She took care of the family. She raised children. She took care of the households. Very unspectacular family. I think Jesus probably grew up the way most kids grow up, you know? One day at a time. The New Testament says that he grew in stature and wisdom, meaning he did this gradually over time. He's like you and I did. And he did nothing spectacular as far as we know until he got the age of about 30. And then something really spectacular happened. And all four Gospels talk about it. It's the time when Jesus was baptized and the Holy Spirit came down out of heaven and rested on him. And God the Father spoke. And listen to what God the Father said. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And that is spectacular. To hear God say, I am well pleased with this, with Jesus, or with anybody, is spectacular. Whether it's quiet voice or a loud voice, whether it's privately in your, in your prayer closet or publicly somewhere else, to hear God speak, that is spectacular, friend. Quit looking for the experience and start listening for God's voice. And it can't be denied that throughout his earthly ministry, Jesus did some spectacular things. I mean, he did. Dramatic healings, right? Miraculously feeding thousands of people with a few loaves of bread and some fish. Calming stores, controlling the demonic, even Satan himself. That's all spectacular. But Jesus also prayed, often alone by himself. He would send his disciples away and he would go up on a mountaintop by himself and he would pray all night long. That's not spectacular, is it? No. He also spoke to to religious leaders about their lack of faith and the shallowness of their beliefs. He confronted people 
who thought they knew more than he did about God. He ate with people. He comforted people. He cried with people. None of those things are spectacular in and of themselves, except he did it with somebody else. As you and I, as we live our Christian lives, and by the way, a Christian life should be far more encompassing than many people understand or live today. You can't fit the Christian lifestyle into an hour a week. Do you understand? You can't fit the Christian lifestyle in that little hour. That's not a big enough box. It's got to be all all or nothing. That's the way God is. That's the way Christ is. Christ is an all or nothing kind of guy. That's why he went to the cross. He's all or nothing. Not an hour. Not a few minutes. He didn't just pray in the garden. He went to the cross and suffered because he was all in. Because all or nothing. So as we live our Christian lives, we need to remember what Jesus' primary purpose was for coming to this world. It wasn't to come and entertain us. It wasn't come to give us this spectacular experience every day, all day long. It was for one spectacular thing. One. In John chapter 9, verse 39, Jesus stated his purpose very clearly. He said this, For judgment I've come into the world, so the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Jesus said, I've come here so that those of you who can't see God or have been told you'll never see God, so you can see God. That's us. That's us. Anybody here Jewish by chance? We're Gentiles then. We were written off by the Pharisees. We would never see God. But Jesus came so that we could. And he also came to those who see will become blind. Those who thought they knew God, who, who tried to tell other people they knew God more than anybody else, were actually blind. And Jesus came to show them how blind they really were. A month after Jesus went back up into heaven. It's called the ascension. I don't know if you ever heard it. It's a churchy word. It's where he ascended into heaven. You can read about it in Acts chapter 1. But he goes back up into heaven, and then something spectacular happens about a month later. Something really grand to the church happens. You can read about it in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1 tells us that the church was together. The early believers were all in one house, about 100 to 150 people, somewhere around in there. They'd all gathered together. Jesus was gone. He said he was going to go back into heaven to be with his Father, to stand at the right hand of God the Father. And something spectacular happened there. In Acts chapter 2, verse 2 through 4, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them to. That's spectacular. Amen? I have never experienced that. Have you? That doesn't mean that we don't know Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean we don't have the Holy Spirit living in us. That was something to show the early church, hey, you're not going to be left alone. That was something that was put in the New Testament so that you and I would know today, that, hey, you and I, we're not alone. And even though I haven't experienced that, that tongues, the gift of tongues, nor the, the spirit of a flaming fire over my head, I know that the Holy Spirit lives in me. And I'm going to talk to you about that this morning. Ever since that day, ever since that night, in that house, ever since then, the Holy Spirit has come to every follower of Jesus Christ. Every one of us. doesn't matter if you live in America, Africa, Asia, Western Europe. doesn't matter where you live. doesn't matter if you live in the Amazon. doesn't matter if you live down south, all the way out west, in Cal even California. The Holy Spirit shows up in California. Don't worry. He's out there. I know it. I got some Southern Baptist preachers out there that I know they're out there. I know the Spirit's out there. 
And there are other Christian churches full of the Holy Spirit as well. Ever since then, the Holy Spirit has come to every follower of Jesus Christ because we're Christians, and because we're Christians, the Holy Spirit has a role in our lives. If you're a Christian today, the Holy Spirit has a role in your life. He wants to do something in you, and he wants to do something with you. Looking at your outline this morning, point number one, the Christian's life is led by the Holy Spirit, meaning it should be led. It's meant to be led by the Holy Spirit. Now, experiencing the Holy Spirit is not a feeling. It's not a feeling. The Holy Spirit is not an influence. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. So that's why it's not a feeling or an influence. The Holy Spirit comes to us when we accept Christ as our Savior and Lord, and then he lives with us, and somehow he lives in us. Can, that, can you get an amen on that? That is an amazing thought to think that the Holy Spirit is living in us. In this mortal flesh, somehow he's with me. I don't can't quite explain all of that, but it's an amazing thought, and I believe it. But we interact with the Holy Spirit by choice. We choose if we're going to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit tomorrow when we get up. We're going to choose. We're going to choose one way or another. We have to surrender to his leading. Look again at verse 16. Paul's there in verse, says in verse 16. So I say, Paul says, I live by, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. This is language of a choice. Paul says, so I say. He's given us a choice. Live by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. If you want to destroy the, the, the sinful nature, and if you want to avoid the, the desires of the sinful nature, let the Holy Spirit live in you. Let the Holy Spirit lead your life. Surrender to the Holy Spirit's leading when you get up tomorrow. The word surrender is not a popular word today. We don't like that. We like to be autonomous. We want to be in charge of us. I want to be in control of me. I don't want anybody else telling me what to do. But if we're Christians, our lives must be, our lives need to be led by the Holy Spirit. If you want to experience God, you're going to have to be led by the Holy Spirit. It's part of our relationship with God. The Holy Spirit is God with us, just as Jesus Christ is God with us, right? Amen. Yeah. Emmanuel means God with us. That's Jesus. But the Holy Spirit is God with us too. No less than Jesus, the Son, or the Father. Look at verse 17. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. Man, I read that this week as I studied for this sermon, this message, and this was troubling to me. That's troubling to me. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. There's a battle there going on, isn't there? There's a conflict. But and it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. Our old nature wants what it wants when it wants it. And it is contrary to what God wants for us. Within us is our old sinful nature. We haven't gotten rid of that. That wasn't washed out when we got baptized. It's still there. And, and when we believe in Jesus for salvation and forgiveness, the Holy Spirit comes and he begins to go to war with our old nature. He actually does that. You ever feel convicted in your life about your sin? You ever feel, man, I feel guilty about that stuff that I did. Whenever that was, the devil will even bring stuff up from years ago. He'll put that in your old nature to, to guilt trip you. 
Holy Spirit comes into us and he begins to go to war, not with you and me, but with the old nature in us. The leading of the Holy Spirit is the answer to the power of our old nature, the power the old nature has over us. Friends, I hate to say this because I know, I know many of you, and you're all wonderful people, okay? If I'm a wonderful person, would you just say amen? There ain't enough of you. I guess I'm just not. I got news. You and I, we're not perfect, are we? Not even close. We're not even close to being perfect. Oh, from the outside, we appear at times to be pretty good, right? We do all the right things Christians are supposed to do. We pray. We read our Bible. We go to church. We give some money. We do a good deed every now and again. You know, We, we do these things, but right in each and every one of us is that old nature. And it's fighting us. It's fighting the spirit. It's striving to lead us in this world. It wants to lead us too. And so it's at war with the Holy Spirit. I like something Oswald Chambers said about people and human, and human nature. He said, immorality has its seed in every one of us. No matter how good we are we, or may seem to be, we have that old nature in us. Immorality has its seed in every one of us, no matter how good we may seem to be. And that's so very true. We all have this old nature that's there. And I know at times you think, man, I wish I could just cut that out, right? Just cut it out and throw it away. The old nature likes to get us doing things. It really likes to get us doing things. It likes to get us to try to follow rules. It loves rules because it loves to get us or lead us or help us or entice us to break the rules. The old nature wants us to think and believe that we're in control. It tries to fool us, but we're not in control. We're not. We're responsible, but our old nature is so strong. We're going to either be led by the old nature or by the Holy Spirit, friends. So we have to surrender. Thank God we have the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. He combats our old nature. He defeats its impulses, its powerful influence in our minds and in our flesh. The Holy Spirit just kicks them away, puts them under control. The Holy Spirit will come to everyone who believes in Him, trusts in, in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit will lead us, will lead you in this life to follow Christ more and more and more every day. Notice I say that every day. It's not just every week or every year. It's every day. We've got to get through this life one day at a time. In John 14, verse 25, Jesus said, All this I have spoken while still with you. The Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have spoken and said to you. Wow. Jesus said the Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to teach you. He's going to also remind you of what I taught you, what I said to you. Wednesday nights, we're studying how to study the Bible. We're trying to learn how to really get a lot more depth out of the Bible than just simply a reading through the Scripture. I hope you'll come be a part of that. The Holy Spirit wants to take the Bible and, and fill your life full of the Scriptures so that when you need something to strengthen your faith, there you'll have the Holy Spirit leading you to remember a Scripture, something Jesus said, some of those red-letter words or whatever. We have to surrender the Holy Spirit just as we did to Christ. And then we're going to have that victory that we like to sing about, right? Oh, victory in Jesus. We sang it, right? Don't you want that every day? Don't you want to sing that song every day? Amen. Yeah. Only the Holy Spirit can overcome our sinful nature because we can't. 
Something else Galatians shows us is this, number two in your outline, the Christian life is not the life the world encourages us to live. It's not the life the world encourages us to live. It's a totally radically different life, and the world doesn't understand this. And it's kind of scary at times. Verse 18, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The world around us loves the concept of the law. It doesn't obey the law. It just likes the concept of the law. And it wants to hold the law over our heads as a way of leading us. The world tries to do this all the time. When you tell the truth about the gospel, about Christ, what is one of the things you have to talk about that people don't want to hear? Sin. People hate to hear about that. When we talk about sin, people think automatically that we're judging them or we're trying to say, this is a judgmental God. When actually what we're trying to talk to them about is a loving God who wants to show his love even more so and has done so through his son, Jesus Christ. One of the things that um, we're going to try to do later this spring is we're going to go out, some of us are going to go out and hand out free Bibles. And in the Bible, we're going to have a track. And I went to Lifeway to look at some of the tracks. And there was a young guy there. Um, and I asked him, okay, you tell me. He's like in his early 20s. I said, you tell me, what kind of track would you use today to reach people your age or older? Or just what kind of track would really speak to people today? And he showed me one that was called the love of God. And it didn't avoid sin. It just said, this is the love of God. It talks about how Jesus Christ came to this world to die for the sins of the world. and John 3.16, in a sense, really, but it doesn't say John 3.16. uses other verses. But the idea here is to approach people with the idea that God loves them. Not to diminish sin, not to diminish judgment, but simply say God loves you. He's provided a way for you to live a different life, a better life. And I think that's what we need to do. We need to help people understand, hey, if you're led by the Spirit, you are no longer under the law. Because the world loves the law, but doesn't want to obey it. He just wants to use it as a club. The world will use the law against Christians all the time, whenever it can. But get this, we are no longer, as followers of Christ, as believers, we are no longer bound by the law for our relationship with God. That's the difference between the old way and the new way. In the Old Testament, you had to know God and have a relationship with God through the law. That's an impossibility. You can't be right through the law. You can't be righteous through the law. You can't be right with God through the law. You can't have a relationship, an in-depth, genuine, loving relationship with God through the law. Instead, Jesus came and he frees us from the law. And he sends his Holy Spirit to lead us through this life. Not by the law, but by himself, by his leading, by Jesus' teaching. Listen to Romans 3.20. Therefore, no one be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. That's what the law does. It tells us this is what sin is. This is what tells us we're sinners. But now a righteous from God, apart from the law, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Christ to all who believe. The only way you're ever going to be right with God is through Jesus Christ. The only way to stay right with God is to let the Holy Spirit lead us. I believe that with all my heart. I believe the freedom we have through Jesus Christ is also beyond our own understanding. I don't think we understand this freedom we have today. I don't think the church does at all. I think we've lost the whole concept. 
the freedom that Christ gives us. That's because the totality of this freedom won't be experienced in this life. See, what? here's the problem, and I think what's going on in the world today with the church is that we want this experience now when the greater experience is later. But we're preparing for that experience now. See, we won't know the fullness of the freedom Christ gives us until we're with Christ and the Father in heaven. But because the Spirit is with us now and in us, we can have freedom from the old nature if we surrender and follow His leading. If we'll simply surrender to the Holy Spirit and let Him lead us through every day. I also believe, looking around at our world today and in our culture, I also believe people today don't understand the gravity of sin. I really don't. This is why they get offended. They don't understand the gravity of sin. They don't understand the seriousness of sin. They don't understand the depth and strength of sin today. And they're easily offended when we talk about it. Listen to Romans 3.18. Paul said this, There is no fear of God before their eyes. Man, he's talking about our people today, right? People in our culture, people in our world, no longer fear God. Why? Because they don't understand the seriousness of sin. We need to understand the depth and strength and the power of sin. It's terrible. We also need to know and understand the freedom from sin that Christ gives us through the Spirit. One thing I like about Paul, I don't know if you do, I like this about Paul a lot. He was really great into creating lists. Read his letters, you'll see he creates lists, all kinds of lists. Lists of good and bad behavior, and he likes to contrast, he likes to contrast these different behaviors, good and bad. And he always made it personal. I don't like that so much because it speaks to me, right? Yeah, but it's true. He makes it personal. That's because sin is always a personal decision. It's always personal. Nobody really leads you into sin. You decide to give in to that temptation. We all do. Look at Paul's list in chapter 5, verse 19 to 21. It says, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. This is what's in us. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit inherit the kingdom of God. Man. Lift your hand if that sounds awful. Doesn't that sound awful? That sounds terrible. It sounds terrible. He really nailed the human condition, didn't he? He really, really narrowed it down and put it all down there in those verses right there. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. And then he goes on and he lists every one of them. All of this carry around us in us, the old nature. So every one of us, every person has something from that list. We all have that. Something there. I don't know what yours is. I'm not going to even pretend to try to say that I do know what it is. I don't know, but there's enough there to cover all of us. Yeah. But because of Jesus Christ, we don't have to say, well, you know, I, there's nothing I can do. The old nature is pretty strong. I just I can't overcome it. We don't have to say that anymore, not through Christ. And we don't have to fool ourselves anymore either by trying to make up for the bad things we do by doing good things instead, right? Oh, I did this awful thing over here. I cursed somebody out. So I'm going to go over here and help somebody and make up for that and balance that out. It doesn't work that way either. We don't have to do that anymore. All of that's meaningless to God, by the way, because it's us trying to do something. 
This is the first John 5:19 where John says, "We know that we are the children of God, and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one." Well, isn't that true? We know also the Son of God has come and given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God, eternal life. I could go on and on about the eternal life, too, as a concept to talk about. as a whole different message. But that sounds so beautiful to me. As a Christian, that sounds so beautiful. Now, as an unbeliever, I'd never really thought about that. I didn't believe that I was going to have any type of positive experience, eternally speaking. But as a Christian, when I came to Christ, that idea of eternal life really got a hold of me, gave me a lot of hope. The truth about life and humanity is this, we're all fallen. We're all sinners. And when someone talks to us about our sin, we don't like it either, do we? Not really. But we need to hear it. We need to, be, we need to deal with it. We are, by virtue of the old nature, in need of someone who will help us Live for God and also live with God. And that's what I love the most, is to live with God. That is something that really grips me as well. So when we accept Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to us. He moves into our lives. And number three, in the Christian life, in the Christian's life, it's obvious when the Holy Spirit's in control. He wants to be in control. We have to surrender to him and give him control of our daily life. And when we do that, it will be obvious. Look at verse 22. Verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Man, I love that list, don't you? Wow, I love that. That's great. That's incredible. That's hopeful. That's victory. That's victory in Jesus right there. Yeah. Man. The fruit of the Spirit. Give me some of that all the time. Not just every day, but give it to me all the time, every day. I want more. I, we all want more. We all need more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Especially if you got kids, right? Yeah, but when, you do, when you're grandkids, you don't worry about it so much. But uh, when you're a parent, you need that. I remember those days. Because against such thing, there is no law. And even grandparents get angry at times. At maybe not the grandkids, but maybe at their kids, right? Yeah. The law condemns. That's all it can do. That's all the law can do. It condemns you. That's why the old nature loves to draw the law in. Oh, you couldn't live up to this. You failure. You stumbled and fell. The law can de- condemn. That's all it does. But Jesus saves, and the Holy Spirit changes and transforms us. Yeah. And oftentimes, when the Holy Spirit's at work, He's not doing spectacular things. He's rubbing away at us, taking those rough edges off, working on us, trying to get that light to break out from inside so that it shines in our life, so that that his control over us becomes more and more obvious every day. Jesus said, let his light in us shine out into the world around us. That if we let God's light shine, it'll it'll bring glory to God. It'll... Bring people's attention to God. In Matthew 5, verse 14, Jesus said, You are the light of the world. He's talking to the church, to believers. You're a light of the world. So you folks who are believers today, you are a light to the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. That's so true, isn't it? In the ancient world, they didn't have electrical lights. They didn't have street lights and things like that. 
So when a city was lit up at night, people could really see there was a city there on a hill. It was easy to see. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gets light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Why do we do good things? So that God gets the glory. So that his light shines out of us and into, into the darkest around us. How do we diminish the light that God gives us? How do we diminish the light of God working in our life? By refusing to let the Holy Spirit control us and lead us through this world. When we're reluctant to tell somebody else about Christ, to talk to them about our faith in Jesus, we are literally putting the Holy Spirit under a bowl. Think about that. The light is still there under the bowl. It's still burning, but it can't shine the light. The Holy Spirit can't shine His light in the darkness around us if we cover Him up. We've got to unleash the Holy Spirit for God's glory. Not for our praise, but for God's glory. Jesus told His disciples something that I think many people are missing today. Something really wonderful. You could even call it spectacular. He described to them the kind of life He was going to give them if they would simply believe in Him. I think this is what people need to hear today. It's John 10, verse 10, where it says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And then Jesus said, I've come that you may have life, and life to the full. The abundant life, the good life. The life that is in direct opposition to the old nature's life. I think that's what our world is looking for. I think that's what our neighbors are looking for. Maybe we're looking for it too. And we're struggling to see it. Let the Holy Spirit have control of your life. And you'll see it. You'll see it. You'll see Him working. You'll see Him. You'll experience Him every day. You won't want the spectacular because you'll have the everyday. Let Him shine in your life. Let the Holy Spirit be obvious in your life. Give Him control. You won't regret it. Our invitation song today is, I've decided to follow Jesus. This is a decision we have to make. We have to decide to follow Him tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday and Friday and every day. So He calls us home. Let's stand and get ready to sing this song. And as we sing it, let God speak to your heart. Let Him move you quietly where you are. Maybe you need to rededicate yourself. Just pray and ask God to give you the strength to be more of the person He wants you to be. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for this day to come in your house with your people.